Hello, I'm Jenny Donheiser. And I'm Nicole Spezio. And this, and this is, is How, How Are You, Are you Brainwashed? Brainwashed, our podcast that's hosted by us. Oh, beautiful. It's Griffin a Tuesday. Down. I feel the energy is low, so I'm picking <laughs> it up on behalf of both of us. That's what I'm sensing yes. and feeling. Thank you for the reminder to uh, amp, amp, amp it up. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we've gone too far. <laughs> Do you love jock jams? Not in this millennium, no. In the past, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I feel like, you know, when you find a joke with someone and mm-hmm. that's your joke, I feel like for some reason, Brett Burns, my brother-in-law, our joke is that we love jock jams. So we're always sort of making a joke like, should we put on the jock jams soundtrack? You know what? That is a nice, safe joke to have with your brother-in-law. All brother-in-law <laughs> inside jokes should be like that. Yeah. So anytime there's an opportunity for like song requests or playlists where one of us is normally making a jock jams joke in that setting. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my third grade cheerleading routine was to a jock jam. And um, I don't know if I've said this on the pod, but the same mother was the Girl Scout mother and the cheerleading mother. And this adult woman hated me because I just talked. I just was there to hang out. Right. And she was trying to get us to be Girl Scouts and cheerlead. And I was like, and this I just really felt this adult woman hated me as child. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you remember what jock jam? I think that it was a medley, which mm-hmm. is what jock jams are, right? They take the jock music and jam them. <laughs> yeah. But I, specific, I don't know. Specifically, YMCA was included. Oh, huh. Mm-hmm. It was the YMCA jock jammed. That's what I believe. But again, you know, time <laughs> escapes me. So it's hard to say, but that's what my memory is giving to me. Sorry, and this was your third grade cheerleading? You did you had third grade cheerleading? Yeah. Huh. What were you cheering for teams or was it just like get together for dancing? No, we were cheering for men and talk about brainwashing. We were cheering <laughs> for, I guess, elementary school football players. As yeah, the- elementary school girls. Do the cheerleaders go to the girls' games? No, right? Well, they don't have girls football games, at least in my school, in my era. But I mean, like basketball. Did you have basketball cheerleaders? Mm, that's a great question. Or uh, I, lacrosse. I sort of, you know, exited cheerleading once uh, I found musical theater. So I don't know if they were at the basketball games. I played high school basketball for a little while, and I don't recall the cheerleading team being at our games. Whoa, talk about jock jams. You are the jock Jenny. (laughs) Yeah, I loved basketball as a child. Can you believe that? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel like if I'm in the right mood, if I were to find myself on the court, I'd play uh, around a horse. Oh, yeah, this has come up that you and Ariel once were looking to buy a basketball so that you could play <laughs> basketball. What happened to I, that? I, you know, I did live near a court. And so I thought, what if I just become basketball adult woman? And a boyfriend at the time said he would let us borrow his basketball. That boyfriend didn't stay. 
he sort of told us he would give us his basketball and then that boyfriend didn't last. And then, you know what, it kind of all got away from us. So I never realized my <laughs> basketball dream. Um, What's going on with you? I did go to a fun thing last night, which was the Tribeca events are happening at the moment. Oh, yes. Yes. And I did go to apparently they're starting a Will and Grace rewatch show with Sean Hayes and Eric McCormick called Just Jack and Will. Um, so it was a live I, taping. Deborah Messing. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, was Eric McCormick the first call or even the second of the castmates mm. of Will and Grace? Who can say? But he is who is doing it. So I went to a live taping, truly not knowing really what that meant. But we all, as a community, the whole theater watched an episode of Will and Grace. We watched the season one finale. And then... They did their podcast about it, and Deborah Messing was special guest, so she came out. Oh, fun! And to be in the room of those three, like that was really exciting. Sean Hayes, I have to say, also the night after he won a Tony to date this episode, that's yeah, uh, was really excited, exciting to see him, and he really is just the fucking funniest person of all time. My mom really wants me to watch the Smartless show. There's a show now. Or it's like a it's documentary of them going on tour with the podcast. Okay, I saw one clip on TikTok of Sean Hayes saying, um, "We're gonna have to cut this out," but I think I'm gonna get a little surf and turf for lunch. And then they're all like, "Why are we gonna cut that out?" And he's like, "I don't know. It sounds a little extravagant." I thought that was really endearing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he seems like a great guy. Yeah, just a terrific guy. He's really like the podcast king. This is like his I, third podcast, I feel. What are the other podcasts? I have no idea. Definitely Smartless. He yeah. Does, which, how did he get in? Oh, the so now two? I think, I, I don't know. And I'm sure everyone, you know, Smartless is like the bi- biggest podcast and everybody knows, but we don't know. But <laughs> I think they're making now like Smartless Media. That now oh. this is one of the podcasts within it. Wow, they're making their own record label. That's what it whatever that's what it appears to be. Yeah. Production company. Yeah. Okay, huge. Well, good for them. Yeah. Good it for was those really cool. Three dudes. Well, that's so fun. I love Will and Grace. It is they don't are they still be making it? <laughs> no, they had that reboot. I did I think I maybe watched the what first episode of the reboot. I did not keep up with it, but that seems done. I watched it. You watched all of it? I watched a fair amount of it, if not all of it. Wow. Okay. So you would know better than me, babe. Yeah. And I just had the thought just now of what happened to that? I think it was over <laughs> pretty quickly. Okay. But, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, it wasn't brought up at the show. I hope that we get on a TV show and then we get to spend, 10 more years once it ends recapping it on podcasts i'm open (laughs) seems to be the thing for some reason in my algorithm the laguna beach recap podcast oh my god who's hosts that it's steven and Kristen cavallari oh i thought you were gonna say like talon or low or some offshoot character those two together rehashing their youth love Hmm, I don't feel compelled, but 
I definitely don't, but Instagram thinks that I do. And I understand why. <laughs> right. Makes sense. Other interests. But yeah, just the things that are getting recapped across <laughs> podcasts is wild. Well, if you want to start your own How Are You Brainwashed recap show, let us know. <laughs> and you can do that on the Patreon, which we don't have. Okay. Uh, babe, what's going on with you? Huh. What is going on with me? I never know how to answer. Yeah, it's good to just sort of think of something. (laughs) You know that we're going to record. It's like that day you start thinking. Yes, they are. Yes, Father's Day has not happened yet, so they haven't arrived. My mom did say that she wants to come to your show, even though it's Father's Day. And I said, what do you mean? She said, let's just have a full day and then he'll want to lie down. Really? I told you. I told you. Fathers, what they want to do is they want to lay and scroll on their phones alone. That's what a father wants on Father's Day. Okay, our guest has arrived. It's time. Time. We are so excited to have a powerhouse podcast producer and absolutely voice over artist and a, a a friend from our past and hopefully our present and future please welcome to the pod jackie jackie danziger, danziger. <laughs> how exciting and mortifying that was and truly this morning i was like should i give them like talking points because what are they going to say as they <laughs> give them it? listen tell tell us now it's not too late yes no no no. i'll, I'll stay i'll stick with powerhouse producer voiceover artist okay. uh, <laughs> what does it mean i think we should leave it absolutely vague we'll just never explain either <laughs> yeah. of those things um no, no no that that that's about right i produce a ton of podcasts now and work at a big podcasting company and every now and then talking to a microphone at the end of this recording we will be asking you to rate this podcast on a scale of <laughs> one to ten of how well you think we did I already yeah. rated and reviewed you in Apple Podcasts because that's the only way I know how to express love. Oh and that God. is the only way we can receive it. So that's, <laughs> that is truly perfect. Yeah. No, but Jackie, out there, be like Jackie. Review the pod. Yeah, rate and review the pod. <laughs> Come on. But Jackie, you are mostly narrative podcast producer. Is I that do. correct? So I, yeah, I work with this company, Lemonada Media, and they have two sides of the company. So they have like weekly chat shows, this kind of lovely thing. Mm-hmm. But I make I make podcasts that are all scripted, investigative, reported, the stuff that's like we're gonna spend a year to produce four to six episodes. So the really, the really long stuff. And right now we just launched a show called Blind Plea. So that is this like true crime show, but we try to do true crime where the woman isn't like dead in a ditch. Thank God. Thank you. <laughs> Which is not Does, doesn't always happen. No, no, no. And there's plenty of shows like that. People love them. They're very, very popular, but it's just like not our brand or what we want to be working on for years. So right. uh, yeah, we do big, big topics and often like a lot of crying, a lot of laughing, a lot of complicated things. But yeah, that's my jam. I feel like you either have the true crime button or you don't. And I think that if there were I like a light true crime, you know, a scam. That mm. feels that safe feels to me. That feels fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're so popular. And we're so we're a network that is like largely run by women. Our audience is very female. And for a long time, not doing any true crime was a part of our pitch. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, we do this and we're trying to like change the world and we would never do true crime. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and a couple of years ago, I was like, you know who listens to true crime? A lot of ladies. And yeah. that's who like to our stuff. So maybe we should revisit that whole stance. And 
Anyway, it's been complicated to figure out the kind of shows that we can produce that still feel like they have a soul and won't be terrible Mm. to work on. But it's still grueling. I mean, all true crime does have an element of like, ick. Yeah. Now I'm a true crimer. Nicole, I would say you're not or you're a light true crimer. Yeah, I think that I find human stories interesting. I like to learn about fascinating things that happen in real life. Sometimes that's crime. <laughs> Your favorite television program is The Jinx, which we've talked about well, I several do times. I love The Jinx, <laughs> but there is there's something that feels light about The Jinx. And I... <laughs> but The Jinx, though, does fit into that, like, well, that's prestige drama. That's, you know, that's like an important... It's HBO. Yeah, it's not TV. It's HBO. There's something very <laughs> camp about The Jinx. And I, you know, but I, but it is true crime. So yeah, maybe I'm just a full liar and I love true crime. Murder people. What's your true crime? (laughs) I watch a lot of just the documentaries that are popping up on my television. I'll check in on whatever, you know, um, and did my favorite murder for a long time. Had to scale back Mm -hmm. after a while. It's a hard one to binge anything, you know, I would say a true crime, probably like what you're working on, where we got four to six episodes. We're going to cover it. That feels good to me to live with it for for so long. I can't imagine producing a full year of a true crime, especially if it's something really grueling. But, you know, I did follow the recent Murdoch murders and all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nicole, actually, that's a fascinating one. I think you would. This like Southern rich man who was secretly losing his money, like killed his wife and son, (laughs) essentially, so he wouldn't have to reveal that he had lost all their money. Does that feel light? Does that feel fun and safe? (laughs) Yeah, why do you feel like I would like that? And Nicole, you would fucking eat it up. I don't know. Meets all the criteria you just discussed. Maybe the Southern vibe of it. I don't know why I thought you would like it. I don't know. Some things, you know, just hit you right and some things hit you wrong. And you sort of don't know until you're in there which way it's going to go. And there's no rhyme or reason. And uh, I don't know. I consumed a lot of the show. Uh Uh-huh. I love a cold show, too. I really keep trying to tell Nicole to watch Nexium (laughs) 2, as I call it. I know it's Mm -hmm. the vow, but (laughs) I feel like you'd really. Now that I, it's not, well, is it light? Sort of. No, it's not. No, <laughs> I, I did my toes. No, the jinx isn't like, but again, the jinx is like sort of about many things. Yeah. Yeah. There is something just very watchable about Robert Durst. And I'm sorry to say that that is how I feel. Yeah. But you, of course, like cults because you, Jackie, like us, went to acting school, which is the cult of all cults. It's absolutely <laughs> Like, I just watched the Sarah Lawrence cult documentary and it's yep. so deeply bleak. I mean, I think that's the weird thing is I don't really do a lot of true crime on my own because I work in it. Right. But when yeah. I do, it's like I dip in once or twice a year and it's just the worst thing imaginable. Whereas like every, the end of every episode, it's like, that was so unpleasant. I'll watch the next one. <laughs> like, I, did, I did Keep Sweet and Obey. Did you watch that one? No, which one Ooh, was that? It was like horrible, twisty Mormon story okay into it down yeah. for that very unpleasant in the way that you sort of sign up for i did watch a sarah lawrence one it was hard on the soul that one mm-hmm. there was really not a lot of i don't know i feel like with the vow and all that kind of stuff there's levels of just like bizarre that are 
titillating or something, which I guess did happen in the Sarah Lawrence one, but overall it was mostly just very dark. <laughs> that was a hard worse one. And worse and worse. Yeah. Get through. Now, Jackie, do you watch any, um, you know, The Bachelor or sort of how are you kind of balancing it all out? I do a lot of junk. Mine is like competition reality TV show where it's okay. like, ooh, Top Chef is back and they're going mm-hmm. international. Yes. That, that's very much my thing. RuPaul is very much my thing. So like super, super light. Everything be- because, again, everything we're working on is so it's either heavy or it's really mission driven. And so then I do want my TV to be like solving no problems in the world. Yes, yes, just making a souffle and hoping it gets to the table on time. Exactly. Project yeah. Runway is, I think, about to do an that? all-stars season. I'm, a, I oh. think I'm going to get into that. Yeah, okay. like I would sign up for that. Really, yeah. Easily. I haven't checked in in a long time, but I'd like to see some of my old friends make some garments. <laughs> yeah, nothing changes about it, and I keep being like, "Why would I revisit this?" And then it comes back, and it's like, "Well, it's here. I can do this." Yeah, it's comforting. Yeah. Yes. Star. Full star. Really became like designer to the stars in his lifetime here. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. There's going to be like I'm a just... Met Gala about him one day. Probably totally. when we're dead. There but... really will be. That's so cool. <laughs> I feel like he also just makes everyone else look so stupid because for years it was like, well, how are we supposed to dress these people? Like you're right. not a size zero. And then he just does it so effortlessly. Like everyone looks so beautiful. And it's like, why? Why was this ever a problem? Like a million different silhouettes that all look so fucking good. Like he really <laughs> was like, you guys are all stupid. I can <laughs> be very I'll take the money. This. I'll take the yeah, attention. Give me your money. Yeah. We should get him on the pod. Think about it. I mean, <laughs> you know, we would love. We would love. Okay. Jackie, how did you become full journalist? How did that path find you? <laughs> So it's all rooted in insecurity and shame and like wanting to do something and just being like, I'm not good enough. And I can't do this very basic thing that I want to do. And I like way overshot my goals and things worked out. So I, for like 10 years, was too afraid to apply to the This American Life Fellowship, which just like every six months would sort of fill out the application and then was like, I'm not good enough, which was very much, I feel like, embedded in that application. Like every page was like, just so you know, this isn't an internship. This is for people that know what they're doing. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. Um, so I had, you know, we went to theater school together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the particular studio that we went to really also encouraged this kind of mindset. So it was like, oh, you want to be an actor? Start a theater company first. Right. Um, so by the time I had actually gotten my shit together to start looking into podcast work, I had already had all of this like producing experience from theater school and after theater school, when we were all starting our own companies and doing lots of producing. So I had done a lot of live events, but still was like, I'm not good enough. So I went back to grad school because that's what you do when you feel like you're not good enough and you need more (laughs) skills. Still was like, oh, audio felt too important and not for me. So I was like, I'll be a video designer. Somehow felt like it was like the path. So I went to school for video design and interdisciplinary work. All of it was super too serious for me. So I got an internship at the radio station at Brooklyn College. Ended up being the most delightful thing. My friend James Tyson and I, I did a podcast on the side that was just us, star like, James Tyson. Things. Yeah. Oh, love them. And so after like all of these false starts of trying to do all of this stuff, just having a weekly podcast and talking into a microphone ended up being by far my most satisfying thing. 
So I changed all of my video classes to audio classes, did like a bunch of audio projects, sort of audio live events, graduated into the 2016 election cycle where there was just a lot of like big important things to do. Um, Really cool time. (laughs) Yeah, which was like, okay, well, now I have a clear sense of the causes I believe in and the people I want to support. And they all needed podcast type of things. So mm-hmm. just jumped into doing a lot of independent work and trained really hard and sort of taught myself how to edit and all this stuff. And one thing led to another and I just kind of kept leveraging opportunities. It's a weird, it's like a weird origin story. Podcasting is such a weird wild west thing that there's no front door. Well, I guess, I guess there is, but I was always too afraid to knock on it. So I just kept kind of going around the side. Yeah. I mean, imposter syndrome is real, especially for women. We really have been brainwashed to think we are not capable or have the experience. I don't know. What's that anecdote that's like a man will see a job listing and without thinking apply and a woman will look at it and be like, I don't have exactly what they're looking for. So I'm not going to apply. Right. It's like if women don't meet every single part of the qualifications, they won't apply. Whereas men meet 50% of them, they're like, I'm set. I'm good. I do have to say I brought the confidence of a mediocre white guy into my experience (laughs) of trying to make it in podcasting. And at every stage was the right thing to do. Like from the very beginning, I took my first, I sort of pitched a podcast idea to a place where I was like, I will make you a branded podcast. And I had like come up with the whole pitch. And at the time that they said, yes, I did not know how to edit audio at all. And so I was like, okay, now I will figure that out on the fly. And that served me really well. And even when I was working at different companies and was like, okay, I see like the path ahead of me and the steps I would have to take. I would then see my male coworkers who would have like one year of experience and then go on to be executive producers at places like iHeartMedia and was like, if they can do that, I could do anything I want. So it was definitely a big mindset shift. Yeah, that's awesome. Anytime I'm gearing up to make a career change or want to make that career change. Nicole is sort of in this mode right now. Mm -hmm, Um, I heard. you, (laughs) You do really have to just hype yourself up and be like, I'm gonna apply to this and maybe there are a few things that I don't know how to do exactly. But once I'm in the room, you know, we're all capable, hardworking, smart gals. You get in there, you can pick it up in a few weeks or a month or two and then you're golden. But yeah, I, I, mean, I, I hate that tentative feeling. It haunts me. Oh, it, it held me back. The amount of things I have like half done and then yeah. decided either like weren't good enough or I think like one of the number one things that will stop me from just like submitting the application or just like hitting publish is like, like does anybody need this? Is this the most unique person <laughs> totally. in yes. the world? And if it's not like the amount of times, I don't know, like in the early aughts, like post YouTube that I was like, YouTube, I give it two years. They don't need me now. And it was like, oh, wow. I guess people still make videos on the internet. And I probably could have done all sorts of things, but just decided was like, that's too late. It's like too late for me. There's also that thing of when you are starting something new, your skill level has not caught up to your taste level. So you like, you know that it's shitty, but you're just because you don't know how to do it yet. So it's so much easier to leave at that point and be like, okay, it's shitty. I got to get out by instead of yeah, actually building that new skill and trying and being open. And then, you know, you don't have to be for everybody, but the people that like you will be in on you. And that's good. I will say 
I'm now so crit. I think I've always been critical of everything I make, but at least I don't think I knew any better when I was first trying to make narrative podcasts. And I just clearly was trying to replicate this American life. And if you listen to my early stuff, it's so bad. Like it really is me like, welcome to the show. And this is what this week is about. (laughs) And it's like, I was really feeling myself. I was so just like, this is it. And luckily only like 200 people listened to each episode. And I felt like it was a huge deal. And now in retrospect, it's like, thank God nobody really listened to that. But I learned something. Yeah, but we're also our own worst critics. I'm sure it was not as bad as you're thinking. I mean, the stuff I put on the internet, I'll tell you what, the things I've submitted and yeah, you got to just put it out there Mm -hmm. and be Mm -hmm. like, you know what? I did that and that's cool. There was some clip of Jennifer Coolidge going around being like, if if I'm ever feeling really bad about myself, I'll go see something that everyone says is bad just so I will feel... You know that I'm not as bad, and I do think that that is not a bad piece of advice. Just to say, you know, everything can exist, even stuff that is shitty. That not yeah. everything you do has to be the most genius, perfect thing that ever lived. It's okay. Yeah, so. I mean, that's where the world of podcasting, like, it's it's a wide road in terms of what success even means. Like, we will work so hard, so very exciting. Our company had two shows in the top three shows of apple recently so we were like we were number one number two the greatest thing that's ever happened ben shapiro and like right-wing radio is just routinely there like they live there Mm -hmm. so it's like all of these metrics of success in this world are a little bit like what what does this even mean and why do we have to work so hard whereas like these dudes are just like yelling into a microphone and hundreds of thousands of people listen to them all the time yeah too serious it's too weird Uh, yeah no there's there's always gonna be a market for that unfortunately Mm -hmm. it's just uh, dudes yelling at each other never go away yeah but it helps keep things right-sized where it's like oh is this like one edit bad it's like nobody cares right truly nobody cares (laughs) right my husband listens to like exclusively like soccer podcasts so there's things out there for everybody you know he's a, he's out here cleaning the dishes listen to some british guys just talk about soccer for hours and i'm sure that's how he feels about me listening to danny pellegrino talk about housewives for hours it's just sort of like now yeah. with the internet there's an audience for literally everything <laughs> so <laughs> there was a make period it, of- make it <laughs> There was a period of time where I felt like I was listening to like five hours of RuPaul recap content a week. (laughs) It was like the amount of time that I actually spent watching the show compared to just the amount of time listening to people talk about the thing that we were all watching. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, again, like not well produced. And yet the thing I look forward to every week. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amount of content I've consumed about the Scandaval versus how much of it I've watched. Mm-hmm. If you look at if you look at the deep dives into TikToks, Instagram podcasts, it's definitely more than screen time of Vanderpump Rules in general. I always know when I've been too far in when I start dreaming about it. When I like I'm dreaming of Ariana <laughs> Maddox, I'm like Nicole, take your phone and take a little break. You don't. Does that really do happen? A hundred percent. Yeah. Like, like give me your, give me a dream. Andy Cohen is in my dreams constantly, <laughs> constantly in my dreams. And in this scenario, I am like going to watch her happens live and he knows me and he likes me, but still we're not really that close. But like, 
I'm like his doorman. He treats me like he treats his nice doorman. I'm always like, okay, Andy, you smiled at me. That's amazing. He said hi to me today. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> this is intense. I feel like this is like very revealing in terms yeah. of. And that's what the podcast is, babe. We're here to reveal. I just feel like we got to something here where it's like, oh, you're dreaming about your pop icons, but doorman. Yeah, I have famously had several dreams where I'm in the cast of Jersey Shore and we're all out, but I can tell that I'm not famous. Like, I'm like, everyone is taking pictures of you guys and like asking for your autographs and I'm on the show, but nobody cares who I am. It's like the the way that my brain works through like that I'm actually not on Jersey Shore. It's a real fun time Mm -hmm. to be up here (laughs) in this noggin. My dreams are so boring. I only have like work dreams. Where it's like clearly like I'm in Pro Tools. There's a deadline. <laughs> it's like the most, which I guess is also revealing. Where it's just like the most boring day to day routine stuff. Where like I'm just late. Most of my dreams are just feel like it's like you're behind. Get it together. Yeah, it's often me not knowing how to do something. Like being thrust into a situation where I should know how to do something and I don't know how to do it is often my dream, which is awesome. so stressful. Okay, here's a weird question. <laughs> Do you, I feel like I've asked Nicole this never on the pod though, but when you're using your phone in your dreams, A, do you use your phone in your dream? And B, if you are using your phone in your dream, does it work? You know, I now can't think of any dream I've had where I have my phone, but I have lots of dreams where I'm at my laptop. And, and you're it, able ooh. to like do the work on your laptop completely. Like I've I've had dreams where I feel like I actually like crack a work situation in what? in yeah. Oh no, that must be so sad to wake up and be like, I didn't crack it. <laughs> what was that? What Definitely. did I figure out? I'm always trying to order Ubers or texts on my phone in dreams, and I cannot do it. it yeah, I have heard... a lot of Uber problems as well. In my you dreams. do? Yeah. I've heard that, like, it's something about dreams and technology. Like, you can't visualize your screen in your dream. But I guess Jackie's able to visualize her computer. Yeah, so I think that might be uh, <laughs> false. I think we proved that wrong on the pod. It probably is the kind of thing where in my dream it makes perfect sense, and then I wake up and it's like gobbledygook. <laughs> but it feels very lucid yeah wow and i have that constantly it's so sad why am i always trying to call ubers in dreams i don't know same the two saddest <laughs> people that ever lived jenny and i trying to call ubers in our dreams oh my god that's the title of this episode <laughs> ubers in our dreams <laughs> upsetting <laughs> um should we ask jackie our famous podcast question yeah now that i'm asking her about ubers and yeah i'm trying to get us away from that transition out of here (laughs) take Um, it away great so jackie on this podcast how are you brainwashed we ask you that question how are you brainwashed what is something a concept a thing that when you were growing up you thought maybe was true but now time has passed and you say actually that was just full cultural social media brainwashing okay so i thought of quite a few amazing Um, but i've narrowed it down to my most shameful, which is I was definitely a believer, maybe not consciously, of the like, there can only be one form of feminism and the one of the guys feminism, which is like the form of female empowerment where it's like defined by the kind of woman you are not, which is to say most women are the worst, but not me. Mm-hmm. I'm a cool, uplifting, smart girl, not a dumb, silly, like vapid girl was 
definitely that for a long time. Mm, I'm 100%. a hundred cool percent cool girl, like defined by the fact that it's like, if there's a whole room full of people, I'm going to be with the smart ones. And those are definitely the guys. Oh, yeah. Bad. Really bad. Yeah. Uh, I... And again, not consciously, like I think definitely was like, and I'm a hardcore feminist, but yes, looking back at it, it's like, oh no, I definitely <laughs> was in that situation where it's like, there can only be one girl in this group because we're all in competition. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I mean, that's from... how we were trained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They mm-hmm. wanted us to think that and we did. <laughs> yeah. And also like being kind of like a film nerd girl, like a theater nerd girl, everything was super hyper macho masculine. Like in the time growing up, being in high school and undergrad, like everything was like Spike Club and Memento and Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> like those were the directors at the time and everything was just so nihilistic like it just had such a very particular lens on the world and I absolutely bought into it I perpetuated it and then I found myself like graduating from undergrad and being like oh no none of these dudes are particularly talented or smart they just have rich dads like what a nightmare (laughs) what a nightmare I feel like we in the time that we grew up it wasn't until the end of college that I like started grasping what feminism actually meant and what my beliefs were around it. <laughs> As Nicole remembers, I took one gender and sexuality studies class at NYU and we watched a documentary about porn. <laughs> After that, I was just like always on this full tirade of like why there's so much misogyny in porn and how it's like played into our own sexual experiences. And like that, I think, was sort of the tipping point of opening my brain to like Obviously, porn is misogynist, but how literally almost everything else was as well. It was all of a sudden like, oh, yes, okay. (laughs) Every corner of the world operates like porn, actually. It's just wanting subservient women to, you know, I can't get into it. But yeah. (laughs) Not to take this down like super esoteric, dark territories. Let's do it. What was the documentary like an Andrea Dworkin uh, piece? So right. I took like one class about gender communication and one intro to gender and sexuality studies class. And I feel like that sounds right. Uh, I mean, those are like the most extreme, like porn is torture and anti-civil rights, which I mean, honestly, through the lens is like, yeah, probably. (laughs) Uh, Again, the crazy thing about this, when I look back is I took many gender studies courses. Like I was so defined by like Mm -hmm. believing in female empowerment it just didn't also extend to like the basic day-to-day shitty behavior in terms of the way that I saw like my peers. And that, well, I isn't that always how it goes? Part. It's yeah. always like, yes, when it's a big concept in general, I understand it, but <laughs> I, I'm completely blind to how it is playing out in my day-to-day existence. Exactly. Oh, so again, it's like one of those moments where it's like, oh, the time I could get back not worrying about like trying to gain power through making friends with like the dudes who seem to be like part of that ladder of power is mm-hmm. it's profound and I think it's like no coincidence that I've ended up in a company and a world right now that's almost entirely populated by women because there was just a very clear before and after of being like oh my god I was in so many professional environments where, where I feel like the the way to success was to be like someone's in like special little gal where it's like oh totally 
there's no path to power through being someone's special little gal. There's only path to power through being treated like an important man. And Mm -hmm. it's very hard to get men to treat you like an important man. Anyway, it's it's been a real journey of realizing the the brainwashing. Absolutely. There was like, you know, our girl group in college that had essentially a male counterpart. And you mean, you mean friend group, not um, musical group? Uh, our, Sadly, yes, just our to point female out. pop girl group, <laughs> our yes, friend group in college of girls had a male counterpart group of guys that we always hung out with. And I feel like that was there was this sort of like wanting to impress them factor mm. always underlying that. And then like the way they sort of spoke to us treated us all like it was sort of this like oh well they're just the girls and blah 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 so like if you could be like the special one right Mm -hmm. (laughs) to them I think that we all sort of you know eventually we realized woke up and said what are we doing but you know I think for a long time there was a lot of hang-ups especially at Atlantic too like again very masculine very macho what you're saying very cerebral and I feel like all those guys were always like sitting around talking about like you know Beckett and (laughs) we were just like trying to get in the conversation and be like yeah I'm a cool girl I'll watch David Lynch movies and I like it that's what I want to be doing with you and hope that you smooch me one day and it's like actually I I hate all those things (laughs) and but I mean how many times did you watch a movie with a guy and you pretended to like it a lot. Like when I realized I didn't have to watch Christopher Nolan movies anymore, it was a real, <laughs> like a real turning point in my life. Oh, yeah. Also, even like male comedies at the time were like dominating too. It's like, how many times are you going to make me watch Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny? You know what I mean? Like I have multiple boyfriends to make me watch Tenacious D, Pick of Ooh. Destiny. Yeah, I've seen it more than once, you guys. And that's the patriarchy right there. Mm-hmm. I believe it. And it still it still exists. And like you can't really stop it from happening. Like I feel like I'll see like young women that I work with. And I'm like, watch out, beware, don't go down there. But it's like you can only learn through your experience. I have to say that your girl group, for which I would buy the album if you do choose. Thank you. <laughs> and we will. Yeah. Was I feel it's very aspirational. Like I feel like at least from like the Instagram surface of it is very much like, wow, you all are really living the like sex in the city, like girl group vibe. Oh, wow. That's what we love to hear. I, I in the best way. feel very lucky that like, yes, I a hundred percent relate to everything you said, but at the same time was able to have this really close sisterhood bond with these women that I'm so thankful that I did like not have to choose between. Yes. I think that as we grew up, like we settled into ourselves and each other and the need to feel insecure and compete with the outside people was less, but I, yeah, I just feel so lucky to have these women that I feel completely safe with and love and are the fucking funniest people on earth. (laughs) (laughs) yeah I don't know like female friendships I mean especially like I'm a mom now like there's just Mm -hmm. it's a whole new world that I can't imagine trying to do this as like hey guys don't worry about it I have a daughter but like I'm mostly like one of you so like I can't imagine being like an improv team or something right now (laughs) like very glad to be doing my own thing for myself now 
yeah in working for a company that female-led telling female stories that's that's so you got out of it Jackie. to have that company culture that is gorgeous yeah it's like one of those moments where like true equality is also having like women who are jerks but it's like they're our yeah. jerks like now we all get to be <laughs> like we can be problematic we can be brilliant we can be all of the things because we are as complex and nuanced as men but yeah it's i do feel like i look at my life now and i'm like this is all just like elaborate repentance for <laughs> my teenage years and my early 20s it's crazy thinking about how much things have changed but also haven't changed obviously uh rights are being taken away left and right but I feel like at least in the minds of I feel like the young women today at least have a better grasp of these things and aren't going into freshman year of college feeling like they gotta be one of the bros you know what I mean or like Mm -hmm. they have to you know they can't say anything if they're uncomfortable in a situation or I, yeah, I mean, I wish. I mean, even the progress that we have made from our parents' generation, like it's wide the gap. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully it just keeps going in the right direction. And it just, yeah, I want all the women to be disgusting, horrible, nasty assholes. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't wait till we That's get there. That's real equality. I'm ready. Um, I'm ready, baby. I want yeah. all groups to be like multi-passive, yeah, everybody, horrible, disgusting. Everybody be like, a nightmare. Exactly. That's I want the right. Yeah. I'm working on a project right now that's all about the current state of reproductive justice in America, which, again, could be like deeply bleak and depressing. But we're trying to approach it from the point of view of the activists and the networks of resistance that have been around pre and post row. And it's been so wonderful to be talking to like young people now who are just doing incredible work, but then also the people who are like in their 60s who are like, why can't we fucking retire? Like every time we try and make progress, like we're like losing ground. But it's it's incredible to talk to people who are like in their 60s and in their 20s who are both just like tirelessly out there fighting. Yeah. Wow. Gorgeous. Thank thank them. Thank you. (laughs) If you're listening. So incredible. I just realized that I have my Zoom filter on where I have fake eyebrows. Can you guys tell <gasps> my eyebrows are fake? No. Wow. No, put makeup on in Zoom. Sorry, I fully derailed us. I, I was distracted by my Well, talk about brainwashing on- makeup and Zoom. I think, you know. <laughs> Do you use the touch-up <laughs> filter on Zoom? For sure, yeah. I didn't what? know that was an option. How far do you put the How far the am I on yeah. the scale? Let's see. <laughs> I think this is like very important. <laughs> you like, take it off and we're just shocked by your horrible <laughs> face in horror. Oh gosh. So this is this would be the full. I'm about like 60%. Now I'm a hundred, but then I go all the way down. I mean, it's not that I can't. No. Sorry, I can't tell you. Just difference. so naturally beautiful. No sorry. one can tell. <laughs> I, I guess the eyebrows are darkening. They're just filled in. I think I also have lipstick on in the Zoom and not in real life. Like a very stained <laughs> lipstick. I okay, wait, wait, now I'm 100. Do I do I look pretty? <laughs> you again look the same. I gotta say, I feel like it does nothing, and then I go on a Google Meet and it's horrifying. <laughs> I'm yes. like, oh no. I agree. Anytime I'm in any other meeting platform, I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> The Microsoft one is the worst because it doesn't do the mirror thing. So you're forced to look at like your lopsided face and just really grapple with like, is this who I am to the world? Which is not a question I need to be asking when I'm talking to like a brand partner. No. (laughs) 
Anyway, I'm sorry. Back to feminism. <laughs> I mean, hun, that's we a part leave? of it. That's a part of it. <laughs> Did we ever leave? The fact that my eyebrows are all being filled out by Zoom just says it all, you know. I can't let it go. Can't even look like myself on a computer. I have to zhuzh it up. Yeah. Brain or eyebrows are a perfectly good example of brainwashing in and of themselves. I say as someone who basically has no eyebrows, it's just been generations of like aspirations not met. Thin eyebrow phase, the dark mm-hmm. eyebrow phase. I've been sitting on the sidelines for all of it. Yeah. I was really happy when the big thick ones came back so I can use my Mediterranean <laughs> blood for good. Were you ever doing like the teeny tiny pluck, Nicole? I can't picture you. No, I, I she's got some thick Italian eyebrows and that's sort of what it is. I feel like I pay to go get my eyebrows threaded every five months when I decide it's time and I feel like my face looks different even though it looks not at all the same but I leave and I'm like I'm beautiful (laughs) a woman just with thread ripped hair out of my (laughs) face for five minutes I cried I always cry or sneeze and then I feel like a million bucks even though my Forehead's on fire. So. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, these are important things. <laughs> one must, one must. It's for us. That's, you know, and that's what's fun is that's how they've marketed it to us now. It used to be do this because everyone else does and this is what you're supposed to look like. And now it's like, do this for you. <laughs> I know, but at this point, how could I even tell what is for me? I don't know exactly. what I want. It's all self care. Do this because you want to do it. Get Botox because you want to feel about yourself. I'm like, leave me alone. I don't want to feel peer pressured into self-care every time I open my phone and look at Instagram. Yeah. This is my self-care. Yeah, I'm doing the best I can. My perception of myself should not be range of making myself feel good. (laughs) To me, it was like, do it for yourself because you want to. It's like, yeah, that's how I know I shouldn't do it. That's (laughs) not a good idea. And I do feel like, I mean, going back to feminism, the whole feminism for sale thing where just like every brand is selling you shit because it's empowering is like deeply depressing and effective yeah. and depressing. I mean, the Dove body commercials alone, <laughs> it's always particularly insidious when a company that has made their money from making you feel like shit then changes and then they're totally. like no like abercrombie apparently now is like a great place for plus size clothing you know what i will never fucking give them a dollar because of the <laughs> shit they put me through in high school fuck that company i'm glad some other fat people can buy their clothes there but i don't forget not me yeah i feel the same way tiktok keeps trying to tell me about it but there's just like curvy ass women being like well can you believe it they've come a long way and it's like i'd rather die yeah, that's stupid that's fucking jeans. fine, but I cannot mm-hmm. forget the pain of no. Abercrombie. No, same thing. Like Victoria's Secrets is like fine, Sadie's allowed now, and it's like you know what? I'm good. Like I don't need right. your fucking bras. It's fine. Yes. To step foot in a <laughs> Victoria's Secret is a nightmare. It's a nightmare <laughs> feeling. It's always like for some reason their aesthetic is like it's dark. It's dark. Yeah. I guess because you're like I'm buying underwear and it's sexy. It's a yeah. dark in there. Everything is like strewn about, scattered. <laughs> They're like, here, buy five pairs of underwear for $20 that will disintegrate as soon as you try to wash them. I just, 
my nightmare to ever step here's bras full of padding yeah wow yeah you walk yeah. through the doors and you go in the male gaze it's not for me no 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 I like so a nice many... candle shop where nobody's looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> I spent so many years of my life wearing the most uncomfortable padded bras because yeah. I like didn't have big boobs. So I thought I needed to look like I had boobs, even though it's clearly padding. <laughs> I was on the other side of the spectrum where I spent so many years wearing really uncomfortable padded bras because I have bigger boobs. And that's like a shameful thing that no one should actually see their shape or like any hint of a nipple. <laughs> like hide as much as you possibly can to mm-hmm. make them a appropriate shape and size. I'm hoping um, that I can get to the point where I can go brawless with my huge <laughs> boobies. Like when I see people do it, I'm like, absolutely. I just don't feel there yet on my journey. I still feel like I need my little bra, but I don't know. I, I don't see- know. I don't even know what my goal is there in terms of like where it's like, I've done it. I'm so uncomfortable. though. Right. Exactly. <laughs> see, this is what I'm saying is I don't even know what I want. I yeah. don't know what calls are coming from inside the house <laughs> and what are calling from outside. I also just finished like almost a year's worth of breastfeeding and pumping. So mm-hmm. like my relationship with them, like they're like working girls now. It's very, totally. very different. Mm-hmm. And were you pumping out in the streets? At work, I, I see women all. on the street doing it, and I'm like, hell yeah. Yes, I was that. I, I was very like leaning into my working mom vibe. So yes. like, I would, I had a couple of work trips recently where I had to do like short air, like short plane rides, and just fully was like figured out how to get the bra on under the shirt and was like pumping bra, like living my fantasy. I love it. I love Thank it. God. I want to see all the women in the park breastfeeding. I want to yes. see them out and about, honey. Yeah, it's it's a a better world now, though. Like, I think I had it pretty easy. Like, I'll go to WeWorks where they have, like, the new parent room where you just go and take your Zoom meeting with your shirt off and it's Mm -hmm. fine. I love it. I have a coworker who's always pumping when we have our meeting because she's like, we're friends. So she's like, okay, thank God I'm in a meeting with you now so I can pump. Can you tell when she's doing it? Not really. Sometimes she tells me and I'm like, oh, I didn't even realize you were doing it. You could do this in other meetings and people would not know, so... I I, I basically, to... for most of my meetings, I had my camera just a little bit above. And after the first week, because at first I was like, oh my God, you guys, sorry, I have to like get set up. This is mm-hmm. so embarrassing. And everyone was like, we can't hear it because Zoom cancels out any weird room tone. Uh, no one can see it. So just like, no, no one cares. And so then I like basically would be pumping through half of my meetings and no one knew. Jenny and I oh, went yeah. to a baby shower, a Barbie-themed baby shower this weekend, which was truly iconic. Shout out Claire Rothrock. And one of the gifts that was given was a uh, – tell me if I'm wrong, Jenny, but it, it was a breast pump, but that was like a manual thing that you squeeze your own. Oh, yes. That's a thing. thing. They were like, this is the thing that you got to do. I was like, I didn't even know that was an option that you could be doing your own squeezing instead of, I guess, getting – milked like a by a machine yeah girl there used to not be machines in our parents yeah i will say that the the whole like making giving birth and feeding a baby has fundamentally changed my relationship to my body and probably to other women related to what we were talking about that feels like good brainwashing good brainwashing really good brain i think it's like deprogramming though it's more like i escaped a cult kind of experience Mm. totally where it's like i camaraderie camaraderie but also like i would never ever say the phrase i have an amazing body because i only know that based on i look so hot 
Totally. Whereas having done this is like, holy shit, my body is amazing. Like it's, it's like yeah. reframing yeah. in a way that's been very cool and just liberating of certain things to feel like, oh, there is a di- different way of experiencing this like thing that I exist in that is not related to like my clothing or the way that I look or any of mm-hmm. that. And that that's very liberating. It's such a cruel part of life that you stop caring so late. Like <laughs> in my teens, it was all so important. And then the 20s was a little bit better, but still really important. Now 30s, it's like, I just would love to be able to care as little as a 80-year-old now while <laughs> I still can use my phone and stuff. But it's, I don't know. Yeah, I am trying to... Because I also have that bit of like, well, and it's too late to do anything with right. this. But it's li- life is long. There's a lot of time to still feel okay. Well, should we do our little casting, our final yes. segment? Let's play our little game. Uh, Jenny, explain the little game. <laughs> okay. We do a little game called casting where we pick a category and we cast ourselves. You, me, Jackie, Nicole, Jenny, all cast ourselves within that category. My favorite go-to example is condiments. And, you know, I would say I'm mustard, Nicole's ketchup, Jackie, your mayonnaise, for example. That's just me riffing. And we can come up with that as a group, what category we want to do. Or if you have one that you have thought of, we can also do that. We could do RuPaul Drag Race judges. Have we done that already? (laughs) I don't think we've done judges, no. Or winners, just because we talked about that before. We What else have we talked we about? We could do our favorite true crime. <laughs> our, our favorite crimes. Our favorite crimes. We could do our favorite <laughs> Your crimes. murder. Your... <laughs> <laughs> or not crimes, but our favorite, like, you know, Nicole's a jinx. I'm Nexium. <laughs> you You're giving it all away? Uh-huh. No, but yeah, now you can't be the jinx. I've taken off the table, but okay. our favorite crimes in history. <laughs> Do you like this or hate it? Nicole's giving me a confused. I thought we were sure. going to go for true crime franchises. And I was like going for them and with mm-hmm. you. And now I'm like crimes, crimes. What do we got? We got like <laughs> Charles Manson. We have Jack the Ripper. This does feel very macho though. Right? It's like, let's. Yeah. Fuck that. Let's go back to RuPaul Drag Race guest judge or judges. <laughs> Just judges. I'm down for that. This Jackie. feels like a real gimme because Nicole is Michelle Massage. Thank you. Like oh, it's I Jersey. Mean. There's no debate. It's, I'm it's extremely like very... Michelle Massage. Yeah. Um, so that's that's like a real gimme. It just sort of writes itself. I don't know what we're doing with our time. Um, yeah, that's a great point. It's just really Nicole is Michelle Massage and there's no if fans are buts about it. I look in the mirror. I see Michelle Visage. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you guys feel like you are in RuPaul? I feel like I'm Ross Matthews. Okay, make your case. <laughs> I feel like Ross has got a fun energy. He's sort of just as classically bopping around. He's in, he's out. He's not in every episode. But when he's there, I'm happy to see him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He's okay with being the butt of a joke. And That is um, one of your best qualities. Yeah, I just relate. I feel kindred to Ross Matthews. Jackie, who do you identify as? So I think I could have also been a Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, in in terms of like the light, I do a lot of feedback giving in mm-hmm. day-to-day life. And I feel like Ross is always very much like, you're fabulous. But 
I was really disappointed when like he's a real compliment sandwich person. Yes, and that's yes. that's very me. I do also aspire to RuPaulness of just like building an empire, you know, scaling the work, all of that. But I don't I don't think I've achieved it yet. Jackie, so. I was gonna give you RuPaul. No. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. There is a power to you, Jackie, that I feel from RuPaul, an intelligence, a wit. A command a of the room, ethic. a work ethic. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying about Ross, and we love Ross, but I really feel you are RuPaul. Well, I, I'm not going to argue. There's also like that element of like, and as I age, I make mistakes like RuPaul, like with fracking and stuff like you that. Know? But you know what? <laughs> they do the best they can. It's a, you got to look at the whole picture of a person. Yep, and yep. I'll yeah, take it. Fracking is a part of the picture, and that's what exactly. it is. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> We grow, we learn from the youth. <laughs> Did you guys watch RuPaul's Architectural Digest? If you haven't, I highly... No, I want to. Oh my god. It's like God, a house Nicole. tour? Yes. Yeah. It's a tour of his house in LA and it is, Nicole, it's full black swan, white swan. It's like all like black and white tiles and chandeliers and like uh, and pillows. It's so crazy. I can't <laughs> wait to have money to decorate the shit out of my home. At the end, you get to his closet, and it's not a closet. It's like a museum. It's essentially a museum of, like, everything he's ever worn. And he has his, like, RuPaul, the host side, and RuPaul, the drag queen side. Oh. He's going to have them all, like, Barbara Streisand in his house one day where he just goes through and looks at the stores of his past belongings. And Second up in the row where we're referencing the Barbara Streisand mall. <laughs> that's, that's not that's enough. That's good. That's yeah. good. <laughs> See you guys back here next week. We'll do it again. <laughs> We cast ourselves as the shops in Barbara Streisand's mall. <laughs> or or as her clone dogs. Those are also good. Yes. Yeah. That also comes up in the pod. We you know. Talk about ba- we love talking about Babs. If you're going into Babs, you're either going basement mall or clone dogs. That's what's <laughs> happening. Yeah. Not her talent as a singer. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. Dur- female director. Nah. Overcoming agoraphobia and getting back out there. Yeah, not yeah, interested. No. We want to hear about them all. And the dogs. Um, well, Jackie, <laughs> thank you so much for yes, being such you, a wonderful Jackie. guest. Tell everyone where to find you, what shows you've worked on yes. that you want to tell the people about. All right, so the two big shows right now are Blind Plea, which is out now where episode six drops tomorrow. There'll be 10 altogether for this one. And then we also make uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus's podcast, Wiser Than Me. So you can listen to that. No big deal. Um, whoa, whoa. And you can find me on Instagram at Jackie Danziger. Amazing. Have you oh met Julia Louis Dreyfus? She's lovely. <gasps> I, of course she is. Wow. I I've met her like, on Zoom meetings where I'm like the 50th person to be like, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she's totally lovely. And she's the kind of person where we were like, can you do an extended credits on your last episode? Just like really acknowledge everyone at the company who supported it. She did. And it's, it genuinely is thrilling to hear her say your name. She's so lovely. Oh my God. Legend. I I can't wait to listen. Yeah. Genius. Incredible. I'm also hopping right into that true crime. Getting my ass in there tonight as I wash the dishes. <laughs> if it's light enough, I will go as well. <laughs> oh, it's not. Don't listen to it, Nicole. <laughs> I can't it's, handle it. It's not for you. I'm quite sensitive. <laughs> Whereas me, I like to hear all of the worst things that could potentially happen played out. So I need yeah. to sort of process it that way. 
I'm a real um, see no evil monkey myself. <laughs> Jackie, thank you so much. Thank you, Jackie. Thank we you. appreciate you. We look up to you. And thank you for doing this. Yeah. Well, thank you. I've been loving listening to your show. Thank you.